Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Romans chapter 5. We're going to go to Romans 5, then we're going to go over to, to the book of Acts. Verse 12 of Romans chapter 5. It says, Wherefore, as by one man, everybody say one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men for all of sin. Now this is talking about the nature of our adversary, the devil, that got into humanity through one man, through Adam's fall. That, that nature, it was an iniquity, which is the motivation to sin. It literally, literally jumped into the human family, and the human family got separated from God. It says, For unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, now notice this, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitudes of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Now basically that's saying, before the law was given to Moses, even though there was not a standard of righteousness and holiness that was written down, still didn't make any difference. Death still ran its course. People still died physically, people still died eternally, and people were still separated from God. Now notice what it says here. Next verse. It says, but not as the offense. Everybody say the offense. So also is the free gift. Everybody say the free gift. Now the offense was that which Adam committed. The free gift is that, is that which God did for us in Christ through redemption. So we've got the offense of one man. It affected all of us. But then you've got the free gift. Oh, somebody ought to get happy about the free gift. I said, then you have the free gift that has also affected all of us. Amen. It says, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Through if the offense of one, many be dead or separated from God, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Now, that's a very unusual scripture because uh, according to the English language and the rules of the English language, this is not grammatically, grammatically correct. You can't say not as so also. It's what they call a double negative. How many recognize that? But the, the illustration that Paul is giving us is this. No matter what happened to you because of your first birth into the human family, what has happened to you because of your new birth in God's family greatly outweighs it. It's so much bigger that you can't compare it. I've always used the illustrations of giving directions to my house. If I was going to have you come over this afternoon and, and have a, a, a chili dog. Amen. I like chili dogs. I like chili dogs. Amen. So I'm going to say, look, I want you to come to my house. So here's what you do. You leave Island Church. You go down S Road. Then you get on 61st. You go out. You get on I-45. And you drive all the way to Dallas. And when you get to Dallas, you won't be anywhere near my house. Now you would think, that's a strange way to get directions to Pastor Rusty's house. But what I would be saying is this. What I'm telling you is so far removed. God is trying to show us, okay, you got hurt in your first birth. You, you, you were addicted. You were, you were depressed. You were molested. You were this. You were that. It does not matter. Now you are a new creature in Christ Jesus. And what God has done for you in Christ is so much bigger than what happened to you in your first birth. There's no measuring stick. There's no way to gauge it. God has blessed you with an abundance of His grace. Amen. It says so much more, the grace of God, the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto, the, unto many. And not as it was by the one that sinned, so is, it, so is the gift. For the judgment which was by one 
to condemnation, but the free gift of many offenses unto justification. Now, here's the scripture I want to get to, verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned, speaking of Adam, by one, much more, everybody say much more, they, see that they right there? Everybody say, that's me. Everybody say, that's me. Everybody say, that's me. They which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Say reign in life. Say I reign in life. Now, God does not want circumstances, situations, diseases, uh, poverty. He does not want any of that reigning over you. You are a child of God. He wants you reigning over it. But now, I love it in the Amplified. i got to read it in the Amplified. Verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, his lapse, his offense, death reigned through that one, much more surely will those, that's us, who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and free gift of righteousness, putting him into right standing with himself, shall reign as kings in life. Oh, you're missing a good opportunity. We got one who we and, and God's, God's telling you, you're supposed to reign as a king, not as a janitor. If we're not the kings, how's he going to be the king of kings? Come on, church. Shall reign as kings in life through one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. God wants you to reign as a king in life. Now, how do kings reign? You ever, you ever thought about that? How do kings reign? You know, it says, I believe over in Psalms uh, 110, it says, The Lord said un, uh, uh, unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand uh, till I make uh, my en- your enemies your footstool. Uh, the Lord shall, uh, shall reign through kings. He shall strike through kings. Listen, kings reign through decrees. They don't get out, they don't get out and go fight the war. They don't get out and, and go do the work. They sit on their throne and they make decrees. And listen, that's what you are called to do. You're called to reign as a king in life. You're, you're called to sit on the, on the throne of your life and begin to decree some things. By his stripes I'm healed. My God supplies all of my need. Devil, get out of my life. In the name of Jesus, you've got to begin to decree what God says about you. And as you do, God backs it up with all the power of heaven. Now, go to Acts. I wanted to go to this portion of Scripture in Acts, and we're going to trust the Holy Ghost to tie this together. Acts chapter 16, it's a great chapter. The church that is founded in Acts chapter 16 became the premier missionary church that supported the Apostle Paul. Now, the the, the will of God is revealed here, and there are some things we need to see here about entering into the will of God and reigning as a king in life in order to enter into the will of God and reign as kings in life. Now, let's begin there in verse, uh, for time's sake here, let's, let's look at verse uh, look at verse 5. So were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. It says, now this is the, the missionary group that was traveling together when they had gone through, through Pergia and the region, region of Galatia, They were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the Word in Asia. Now now you say, why would the Holy Ghost say don't preach the Word? Well, it wasn't time yet. I said it wasn't time yet. And then they said uh, after they they, they were come to Messiah, and when they had decided to go to Bithynia, the Spirit suffered them not. So they were literally active in looking for the will of God. 
Oh, they, they, they would start, I said, well, hey, check on plane tickets. See how much it costs to go to Asia. Okay, we're going to check on the plane tickets. We got any contacts there? And all of a sudden, during that time, as they were praying, the Spirit of God said, no, don't go there. I said, well, let's, let's look over at Bithynia and see what's going on over there. How much are plane tickets over there? Well, I don't know. Let's, let's see if we can find any kind. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost said, no, no, not, not there either. But see, they're active. They're moving. They're looking. You know, I heard a preacher say this years ago, and I thought it was so good. He said, the problem with many believers is they're unwilling to go through the process of elimination. They want the will of God to just pop up in their face and say, there it is right there. When many times you've got to just go through the process of elimination to get to the thing that God wants you to have. Now, that happened in David's day. I mean, Samuel, he's a prophet. I love Samuel. He's my favorite Old Testament prophet. They went through all those boys and got to the end, and there wasn't anybody left. And he said, now, Jesse, ain't you got any more boys? He said, well, we got one young, the youngest one. He's out there tending sheep. He became the anointed one. But they had to go through all that process. Why didn't God just tell him, go in there and anoint David? And he'd have walked in there and said, well, you know, uh, uh, where's David? Well, who's David? Amen. No, they had to go through that. You say, why? Because God gives us processes to teach us trust. Let me say that again. God gives us processes to teach us trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him. You've got to go through these processes so that you will begin to develop a literally deep trust in God. God wants you to know He can be trusted, but He wants you to trust Him. Amen. Amen. Now notice this. Uh, They went there and then all of a sudden, it says in verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So they headed for Macedonia. Now, let's get down to verse... Uh, go to verse 13. They ended up there. They sailed over there, went to the city, and, and uh, to Philippi. And he says, On the Sabbath they went out to the city by a river, where prayer was wont to be made. We sat down and spake unto the women which resorted there. And a certain woman named Lydia a seller of purple in the city of, uh, of Thyatira, uh, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things that were spoken of by Paul. It said, and, and, when she, and when she was baptized at her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Now, this shows us that first of all, the will of God was revealed. Everybody say revealed then once the real will of God was revealed, it had to be acted upon. Amen. Now, I don't know what their expectations were. I don't know if they thought when we get there, there's going to be people waiting on us or whatever. There's going to be this mass crowd. There was only one person. There was only one person. Amen. Now, but they're in the will of God. They're moving. There's activity. Now, as that began to transpire, they, they found provision through this woman, Lydia. It says, And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Now this is the devil. Now right here in the process of the will of God for their life, as they begin to continue, they're in ministry, they're out preaching the gospel, they're fixing to establish the church at Philippi. Who rises up? The devil rises up. That shows us there's always going to be that element of opposition. It's going to come at your mind. It's going to come through circumstances. It's going to come through other people. 
Amen? Listen, you've got to make a decision to serve God on your own for yourself despite what the opinion of other people may be. I heard an old preacher years ago say this. He said, other people's minds is a poor place to keep your joy stored. But so-and-so might think. But so-and-so, who cares what they think? You're the one that might live or die according to what you obey by the Word of God. Amen? So here's this, here's this demon-possessed woman. And they followed Paul and cried after us, saying, these, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now, just like the devil always does, he tries to connect himself to the move of God, because if he can get into the move of God, he knows he can stop it. Yeah. Amen. Amen? So here's this, this, this spirit of divination, this, this familiar spirit, and this poor woman, I mean, she's being handled, she's being pimped, she's being, she's being used by the devil and used by men. Now notice this. It says, and this she did many days. Everybody say many days. Now I wondered for, for years, I wondered, why? why? Why didn't Paul just the first time that happened, why didn't he turn and take care of that? Now let me ask you a question. John chapter 5, there was a miracle pool and the, and, the, and, the, and the Spirit of God would come down and stir the pool and one person would get healed. Not a bunch, but one. And then Jesus went there and touched a man, but he only touched one and left hundreds on the porches. Why did he do that? Because he was under the constraints of the Holy Ghost and could only do things by the unction of God. That's where we get in trouble is when we try to step outside the will of God and do things by our own unction and not by the unction of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, I don't have the unction of the Holy Ghost right now. Then wait on the Lord, serve the Lord, pray, study your Bible, and one day that unction will come and you know now is the time to do it. I believe God put that in there just to show us that, illustrate that to us. And so all of a sudden, many days, Paul being grieved in the Spirit, uh, turned and said to the Spirit, he didn't say to the woman, he said to the Spirit, he commanded thee in the name of Jesus to come out of her, and he came out the same hour. Now when her masters saw that the hope of their gains were gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers. And they brought them unto the magistrate, saying, These men, uh, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. <laughs> I've heard that before and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, because we're Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent their clothes and commanded them to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. And having received such a charge, they thrust them into the prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. What does it look like to obey God? <laughs> Amen. I say, now you say, well, didn't we start about talking about reigning as kings? <laughs> Pastor Russell, I thought we all go reign as kings. Now we've got our feet in the stocks. And we've been beat with many stripes. Amen. Now this is, listen, not every day in the will of God is carnival day, is oh happy day, is oh fun day, is oh joy day. There are some days when you're going to question yourself. I can imagine the thought went into Paul's mind, hmm, was that really a vision? Uh, oh, oh, prophet of God, we used to know and love very much, uh, F.E. Ward used to say, Rusty, make sure it's God, not a bean dream. Let me know what a bean dream is. 
That's a dream you get from Taco Bell, not from God. Amen. I mean, they could have been, he could have been like, well, what, you, what have I done? I come in here and preach the gospel, cast the devil out of a woman. Now everybody's mad at me. They done beat the tar out of me. They done put me in the stocks. Here I am, here I am in the stocks in jail. Amen. And I'm supposed to be in this city starting a church. Come on, God, what's going on here? But now notice this. Either you're a king or you're not. Amen. I heard a story about the, the horrible time in our country in which slavery was legal. And they had captured a son of a king over in Africa and brought him into the United States. And he was, man, he was straight and he was tall and he stood over just defiant in the back of the, uh, of the pen of slaves. And they were auctioning these slaves, auctioning these slaves. And one guy, one of them said, I want to buy that guy right there. He said, he ain't for sale. He said, what do you mean he's not for sale? He says, he's worthless to everybody. He says, no, no, everybody, we've, we've whipped him, we've beat him, we put him in stocks. He says, he just sits over there with his arms crossed defiantly. He says, well, what's his story? He says, well, he's the son of a king. And he refuses to act like anything else other than the son of a king. So we can't use him. I said, we can't use him. You ought to be just like that, standing defiantly, no matter where you are. You're the child of a king. You're the son and the daughter of a king. And you've been called to reign in life as a king. Not as a slave, not as some beat down little old, no telling what. You need to rise up, make a decision. God's called me to be a king. I'm going to rule like a king. And if I'm ruling in a place right now that's not so good, I'm going to declare my way out of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now notice this. Verse 20, 25. And at midnight. Now midnight we know is a time, a place in time in which, but we can actually say like at the darkest hour. And I'm going to tell you what defines you. It's not what you do on your best day and not what you do on the mountaintop, but what you do on your darkest hour in your midnight. Come on, church. It's in your midnight. It's when everything looks like it's not working. It's looks like when faith's not working. It looks like when God's not showing up. It's what you do at midnight that's going to give you your breakthrough. And I guarantee you if you'll remain as a king in your midnight, you will rule in your, as a king in the bright of day. So at midnight, Paul and Silas talked together about what they could write their partners. How they could get them out of this situation, who they could contact. It's not what it says. Now notice what it says. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises. Oh, come on, church. They prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. No moment of silent prayer. No, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Remember we talked about that. They started praying. How do you think they were praying? Oh, we thank you, Father. We've been counted worthy to suffer a little bit for the name of Jesus. Now here we are in the stocks. Here we are in the jail. But what we're going to do is we're going to lift our hands. And they just got louder. Like, we're going to worship you. We're going to praise you. You are the God of heaven. You're the God of deliverance. You're the God of the breakthrough. And although it's midnight, we're going to praise and worship you, Lord. I love the next verse, 26, because there was an suddenly. How many need a suddenly in your life? And suddenly 
there was a small stir. And a prisoner was heard way back in the back said, Amen. <laughs> Suddenly there was a great earthquake. And the foundation of the prison was shaken. And immediately the doors were open and everyone's bands were loosed. Now, this is not an earthquake like they have that destroys everything. This is a God quake. Oh, come on, church. I said, this is a God quake. It didn't say the buildings fell down. It didn't say 10,000 died. It said all of their bonds fell off. That means the stocks popped open. The handcuffs came off. I mean, I guarantee you thought they were worshiping, praising God while they were in the stocks. I bet they jumped out and began to dance, began to shout, began to glorify God because a suddenly of Almighty God came into their life. Now, real quick, my time, ooh, my time's up. Three real quick points. Number one, how could they do this? How could they do this? Here's how you can do it. Here's how they did it. Number one, number one, we might just get to this first one because this is so good and get the, ne- the other ones next one. You must give Jesus. Now listen to me very closely. I'm going to get down there so I can see the white of your eyes. You must give Jesus real person status in your life. Now most people say, I love Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. But he is as far from you as you are from Elvis. People say, I I know Elvis. Everybody knows Elvis. Yeah, sure, we know Elvis. We know Michael Jackson. We know all these people. But do they have real person status in your life? Now think about, you've got to take a moment and use your mind for a moment and think about people that have real person status in your life and how you respond to them. When they talk to you, you, you listen. You talk back. You recognize their existence. You recognize their value. You recognize their worth. You acknowledge their presence. Amen. I've been in several times when I'd see Leah talking to somebody and she might be in a conversation that concerned me. And she said, oh, well, Rusty's right here. Come here, Rusty. As soon as I'd walk up, she'd recognize my presence. And the problem with a lot of people is Jesus lives on the pages of their Bible. Everybody moaned on that one. But the realness of that personal relationship. Man, I I remember Mama Ward back in the days. That was Papa Ward's uh, 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 wife. She had such an intimate relationship with Jesus that it scared me. Where's Ted now? It scared me. She would say things like, I've been making love with Jesus all day long. I'd go, what in the world is that woman talking about? Am I telling the truth? Wait at me. These people know that. She'd say things like that, and I'd think, oh, my God. And then she'd, she'd get up, and she'd teach the Word like she was living there. And she would make, uh, uh, there would be words that would come out of her mouth that you would think, she has just been hanging out with Jesus. Well, I desire that, and I begin to watch her, and I begin to see how those people operated, not just her, but many others that, that lived back in that era. And listen, Jesus was more real to them than most people in their lives. They talked to him constantly. They fellowshiped with him constantly. They stayed in the word of God. She said one time, you can have no greater relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ than you have with that book right there. If you do not have a relationship with that book right there, you have no relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we can use all the spiritual catchphrases. with Jesus loves me. I love Jesus. I know I don't read the Bible much. I know I don't go to church much. I know I don't, but I really do love the Lord. No, you don't. You don't give him a real person existence in your life. He's real. He walks with me. He talks with me. He ministers to me when my heart is hurting. He answers questions. He removes doubt. He gives me insight into the future. He allows the Holy Ghost to move and to flow. He is my all in all. Paul said it like this. In him we live and move and have our being. Why could Paul and Silas sing praises unto him at midnight? You know why? Because he was there in the prison with them. He was there in the stocks with them. He was there with his hands in the cuffs with them. And when they began to worship God, the father looked down and said, it's time for us suddenly. Amen. I have to give you the other two or it won't be any good. When it all looked wrong, they maintained their righteousness. You say, what do you mean by that? They could have started saying, hey, listen, man, where'd we blow it? That's where a lot of people miss it. When the pressure really gets on their life, they start start thinking, we made a mistake. We made a mistake by joining that church. We made a mistake by getting involved with those faith people. We made made a mistake by getting uh, involved with them tongue talkers and all that. Boy, we've made them. No, you hadn't made a mistake. I'm here to tell you this morning, you haven't made a mistake. It's in the middle of your midnight and in the middle of your dungeon and in your stocks, you've got to maintain your righteousness and say, bless God, I'm right where God wants me to be. And although this might not be comfortable and this might not be convenient, He's fixing to give me a suddenly that's going to get me out of all of this. And He's going to get glorified and He's going to get magnified and the greatest work of my life is fixing to get done. Amen. Thirdly, real quick, and I'll close with this. (laughs) You've got to remain on the offense you got to listen. You cannot get on defense. You can't start backing up. You can't start saying, listen, listen, I, I, tell you, I'm just, I think I'm going to back off with that. Listen, as long as the adversary can keep you on the defense, he can keep you bound. He can keep you sick. He can keep you poor. He can keep you in trouble. But the very day you decide, that's it, I'm tired of backing up. I'm not backing up no more. I'm going to start pressing this thing. I'm going to start going to prayer. I'm going to start doing what God says do. I'm going to start getting into the will of God. I guarantee you that is the day you're going to start seeing the breakthroughs in your life. Because as long as you're fighting backing up, you don't know what's coming. You don't know what's going on. But brother, when you're in the offensive, you got him backing up. And a lot of people fight their fight of faith on the defense, wondering why it's so hard. A guy that was a son of a pastor and had a strong call of God on his life and didn't want to go in the ministry. And a friend of mine was talking to him about it because he had such an anointing and such a gift. And he just finally blurted out and said, well, I tell you, I ain't going to live like mom and daddy lived. I ain't living like that. And this friend of mine is a pastor. He's very wise. He said to him, well, mom and dad didn't have all the information we have today. And the real truth was, mom and daddy, that lived under a bunch of bondage and a bunch of problems, got out of all of that, and the last few years of their life was victorious. He wouldn't recognize that. But there's a lot of people say, man, you get involved, that, that's, that's, a, that's hard living. I'm telling you, that's tough. That's tough trying to believe God. That's, that's different. What, what? Jesus said, my burden is easy. My yoke is light. 
Listen, you've got to square your shoulders. You've got to make a decision. Hey, if I'm in the stocks and I'm, I'm in the prison, if I'm at midnight, I'm still a king. It doesn't make any difference. I'm still a king and I'm called to reign in Christ by one man, Jesus Christ. And he has the power to bring an earthquake into my life, to shake my finances, shake my health, shake everything that's going on and give me the victory that I need. But as long as you're backpedaling, as long as you're backing up, because what happens is you get critical, you get cynical, and then every little problem, every little setback come, becomes this big drama. And you just end up just, just you, that's, you end up jaded. You're just like, well, I'm not you, I, God doesn't love me, and I, I don't know. You can't do that. You've got to press in with everything that's in you. You've got to recognize and realize this is the greatest lifestyle anyone's ever been called to live on this planet. The life of faith in God, trusting Him with all of your heart, recognizing and realizing when I got born again, I got born into a royal family. And, and, and listen, the world may not see me like that. You, you watched recently the, the, what was it, one of the sons of the queen over there got married. And man, everybody, all the photographers were around and all of the pomp and ceremony of the wedding and all that was going on. Listen, that's how you look in the Spirit. That's how you look in the spirit. You're the child of royal blood. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And you're his very own child. He's not going to leave you in the stocks. He's not going to leave you in the midnight of your life. All you've got to do is make a decision. I'm not trying to get something from God. I've already got it. I am a king and I'm going to begin to decree some decrees into my life and I'm coming out of this midnight. I'm coming out of these stocks. I'm coming out of these cuffs and that, that God that I serve is going to shake my life and all the bondage is going to fall off. And if you will do that, God will be faithful to His Word and perform it and watch over it so that you will get the benefit of it. Amen? You love the Lord? Give Him a shout! Hallelujah! Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com You can contact us by phone at 409 409- 770-9113 We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas And remember to keep looking unto Jesus He is the author and the finisher of our faith